Welcome to We Pot a Zoo. This is the podcast about the 2011 film We Bought a Zoo. Uh, my name is Zach, and today I'm joined by a very special guest who you might know from Twitter or from her podcast, Oh No, with Anna Campion. It's Anna Campion. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm very, I'm very glad to have you on the show. Very excited that you have watched this film. Yeah, so this was pro. I think I think I was probably like th- fifteen when this came out, um, like mm-hmm. fourteen or fifteen. So I'm pretty sure we watched it like as a family when it came out. Like I'm sure this was like my mom loves Matt Damon, and so mm-hmm. I'm sure we all like this was like our you know movie of the month or whatever that we went and saw. But I haven't seen it since then, and um, it was a ride. Like it was really interesting movie to watch i now understand why you can have a full podcast on it because it's really um yeah it's it's dense it's it's more dense than i think a lot of people would um give it credit for or uh expect and uh, you know for better or for worse um often for worse with this podcast i mean with this movie i didn't realize it was two hours yeah that's so, I mean, we're going to talk about that, um, kind of the structural pacing issues with this movie, because it, it is a movie that does not need to be two hours, um, and it doesn't really do the best with that time. It, it doesn't know how to use that time properly. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it felt like watching it, it's, it felt like the sort of like film manifestation of like, I have a week to work on this paper, like, yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then, you know, just kind of like rambling around like, oh, I'll make an outline on Monday. Oh, mm-hmm. I wrote my thesis sentence. Like, oh, I'm going to check out the books I need to research on Wednesday. And then like, it's due at Friday at midnight. Yeah. And it's like that. It's like that meme. Have you seen the, that's like the drawing of the horse where like the, the back half of the horse is super detailed. It gets applied to like Game of Thrones a lot where mm-hmm. it's like seasons one to four, super detailed. And then as it goes on, it's just like. A, a smiley a, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's it's another that. I mean, like, example. <laughs> we'll talk. I mean, like we'll we'll really get into it. But like the last thirty minutes of this movie are just an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah, it felt. Um, and and I mean, I know we're gonna. I know you wanted to talk like general thoughts first. Yeah. But just like while I'm while I'm thinking of it, put a to put a pin in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand like what the problem was for the entire movie. Like it felt like there were so many problems <laughs> yeah. that I was like, well, what's the what's the main one that we're focused on? Like, is it mm-hmm. getting over the mom's death? Is it bonding as a family? Is it mm-hmm. um, Dylan? Is it yeah. uh, the zoo? Is it that fucking um, Walter inspector? Ferris? Yes, Walter yeah. Ferris. Um, like, is it is it what's the, the issue? 
making sure that we have an end of life plan for the tiger is it um making sure that the clearly depressed bear can live out the rest of its life in happiness is it the peacocks like what's the is it the peacock i mean i i talked about this in a previous episode but it's absolutely wild that the peacock subplot is resolved but never begun yeah like, like just suddenly there's a scene where she's like the eggs are hatching and it's like <laughs> wait she was watching the when was that established anyway yeah i feel like there was a scene cut out of the movie where we see that the peacock laid eggs anyway we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. i'm getting ahead of before we even get into the movie mm-hmm. before we even start talking about this this film you know this is a movie about zoos it's a movie about children at zoos mm-hmm. have you had like a zoo experience in your life have you been to to yes. a zoo an aquarium so i grew up in northern virginia um so i like a, a big treat when we were kids would be to go to the smithsonian like the national zoo um Ooh. so that was like my first and like the the zoo i went to most often um i probably haven't been to a zoo since i was like 10 but um I remember there was, so that's like what I was used to was like, you know, Smithsonian, like very nice, like research institute. And like, they had like, they were one of the first zoos to have pandas in the US. And like, they had, you know, a bunch of, they were, as far as zoos go, obviously a very reputable zoo. Mm -hmm. I then remember going to a private zoo, uh, the Reston Zoo in Virginia. And I think we went for like a field trip or something. And I went home and I was like, that sucked. That was a terrible zoo. <laughs> and that was more like in the realm of what like the um the the We Bought a Zoo Zoo was like, where it was like mm-hmm. it's like a privately owned, like you have a lot of like you have like a monkey island and you have like right. wolves and like you have stuff that's <laughs> a little bit more like, you know, it makes more sense to have them in the climate that you have them in as opposed to like being able to make like a reptile house or whatever. Um right. but yeah, so like I'm pretty, ultimately, I'm pretty anti-zoo. Like, I don't think they should exist. But, like, when I was a kid and I didn't really realize that yet, the Smithsonian was our zoo, which was, like, you know, crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, a big big zoo to have as, like, a a childhood experience. And Mm -hmm. I think that, like, you know, there's a big difference between, like, a zoo and, like, a wildlife sanctuary or, like, something that is, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a conservation? Yeah, yeah. Something, like, something that is, like, actively almost practicing like, like almost like a research type institute yeah type thing something something like that's humane mm-hmm. you're like not the zoo equivalent of like sea world yeah but yeah i think if any zoos exist they need to be like d- doubling as like conservation it can't just be like here's a, the giraffe that we have mm-hmm. look at the giraffe it's like no we're where this giraffe needs to be here or else it's gonna die yeah like yeah yeah like this this we saved this giraffe from you know poachers or whatever yeah like that's a little bit i'm not i'm still not for it but that's at least a little bit no, more ex- like yeah i get it like you this giraffe was injured it's not gonna thrive in the wild you want it to have a happy life whatever i get it but um yeah i'm, I'm thinking about like like i had i had a friend who like interned at a place in like South America that was just like like a a jungle bird sanctuary that mm-hmm. was just like for the sole purpose of like rehabilitating like parrots. Yeah. Like that's the kind of thing that I'm I'm about. Where it's mm-hmm. like it's it exists to like 
take in smaller injured birds, rehabilitate them, study them, and then release them. Yeah, exactly. Like it's yeah. um, the goal isn't profit. Yes, I, yeah, I think that that is like the the key difference between like what we're talking about is that like because so much of this movie is like we need to make our money back. It, yeah, it costs like well, and like it, one of the first things he says when um you know Thomas Hayden Church is like trying to convince matt damon not to do it he's like well it makes 75 percent of its revenue in the summer and it's like yeah kind of weird like especially i mean again i don't want to get too ahead of myself but i was so pissed when he quit his job i was like you dumb fuck because he had like the dream job and like uh, you're talking about matt damon like quitting the uh like the the journalism yeah and then saying yeah and then saying like like, to me, here's what it read like. He was like, mm-hmm. I want to do, like, travel stories with my kids. And the his editor or whatever was like, your wife died six months ago. I want to give you an online column because I want yep. you to have a little bit more security and I want you to be able to be home with your kids. Because and, print media is dying. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, <laughs> um, I want you to be able to continue writing and I want you back on these, you know, big adventures or whatever you were doing and writing articles about, um, but I want you to take your time to heal first and matt damon being like i don't want your pity it's like he's not giving you pity he's just like trying to make it so that you can like afford to have children in what like the la area like is that where this is supposed to be somewhere in in california it's also just like it's clear i mean later they talk about like dad's inheritance but it's clear that like matt damon isn't even like thinking about the financial repercussions Mm -hmm. of quitting because then he's also like um, you know, I'm not even going to take the severance package. Mm-hmm. Like he's, it's, it's like, mo- he's like taking the moral high ground to an absurd degree of like, I'm, I don't, I'm above this because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, like, we'll talk about this, but like, he's a bit of a dick. Like, yeah. like the Matt, the Matt Damon character is not a kind of noble character. I would say. I, I honestly thought the most noble character in this whole thing mm-hmm. was, um, Thomas Hayden Church, Matt Damon's brother. Interesting. I okay. thought I thought he was like the only one really looking out for Matt Damon and his children's best interest. I can see. Yes, I, I think he. He did have a couple weird lines though. That yeah, I'll, that's we'll what talk I'm, about. But that's like, what I'm trying I think to in reconcile. Terms of his, um, I think in terms of his intentions, mm. like I think that it was clear that he was like you know, maybe misguidedly trying to help his brother move on and, like, sort of help yeah. his brother, like, begin to take these next steps into, like, what life post-Catherine is going to look like. And Matt Damon, like, wasn't interested in that until this, like, money pit of a zoo came up. But I would also I would also say that, like, Thomas Hayden Church... Duncan. Duncan, Duncan. Is, is presented as such a strange character mm-hmm. that even though his heart is in the right place narratively like on on a on a script basis it becomes very difficult to take him seriously like he's he's written he's written like both the the comedic foil and the straight man in a way that is is very bizarre and i think the casting was interesting Mm -hmm. as him because he is i i think thomas hayden church is a good actor i think i always like enjoy stuff he's in and like i'm just thinking of like his character in Easy A is sort of like the cool, funny English teacher and who's sort of like the um, like the guide and, you know, it's kind of like helping Emma Stone out or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like 
he he's a character who like he is sort of meant to be like I don't want to say a one-dimensional side character but like he needs a very clear narrative arc in mm-hmm. order for him to be an effective actor I think yes and like and he for for his presence to be what you want it to be which is like this is kind of an like a, a slightly above average everyman who mm-hmm. is like funny and has a cool voice and, and this I, was not that. Yeah, I, this is not a successful example of that. This is like there there are bits of it peeking through, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not really there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's get let's get let's get more into kind of what this episode is going to be about. Yeah, which is, I mean, it, it'll say in the title of the episode probably, mm-hmm. but we're we're here to talk about the deeper structural problems with this movie. Yeah, of which there are many. Yeah, many, kind many. of. The, the pacing issues and kind of why why this this movie kind of feels so um, scattershot. Sorry to, to keep jumping around. Before we get into that, are there any other like like things that you want to bring up before we get into like the more linear breakdown? Yeah. So really quickly, the yeah. the I think I know we're not going to really be talking about this, but there are a couple dialogue choices that I found <laughs> to be so odd. One where Thomas yeah. Hayden Church del- after he del- Duncan delivers the fish. Yes, I know exactly what line you're talking about. <laughs> and he says, oh, my God. oh, the smell was serious. I I was on a trip. I saw an iguana and a dwarf Indian. Yeah. What? Yeah. It, it, it's it's ins- like I, 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 I have no idea how to unpack that fucking line because, again, I, I just it's, wrote oh dwarf Indian question mark. <laughs> like, it's, what? It's it's like supposed to be funny, but it's like too racist to be funny. And it's like. It, it, oh my god it, it's it's yeah i i have no um i also i have nothing to say it's insane i also um if i ever watch this movie again who knows if mm-hmm. i will i will do a man count because <laughs> every every yeah. time anyone talks to each other it's like man what are you man yeah and it's I'm like trying to it, help you man like, and it's so clear that. that cameron crow was just like you don't have to be right there with the script. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just get into the heart of the characters, but there's no yeah. heart to the characters. <laughs> so everyone's just like, man, come on. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just sounds so whiny. Yeah, they're clearly just like skirting around the book. They're and not there's really also, like... <laughs> there's also at one point, and here's the thing. I actually think Matt Damon's a great actor. Like, I'm a oh, Matt God. Damon. Who doesn't? He's I'm great. I'm a Matt Damon fan. Um, yeah. There was... The the only other dialogue thing I want to point out, and then we can move on, yeah. was when they get into they they've like moved and they're going into the kitchen and they're like, yeah. whoa, like these are some interesting new smells. And then he goes, yeah, Rosie, look, dead rats. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, if I He's was just... Rosie, I would start screaming. And she, I mean, she does later when there's like a snake on her foot. So it's like, who's who's inconsistent here? Is it Matt mm-hmm. Damon for for wanting to? show his daughter something gross or is it Rosie who should have reacted with disgust you know yeah, well, I think and, and, like what do we do with them daddy well I guess we you know feed, freeze feed them, them to the and snakes. feed them to the snakes it's like, <laughs> well and also um, I think it's usually mice that you feed to snakes I don't think you feed rats to snakes maybe he's just an idiot and he confused rats for snakes I mean that uh, that could be very true but it's like I mean it, I just said rats for a... snakes Jesus <laughs> No, oh my I, god <laughs> we, we, all, we all knew what you meant right audience yeah. um yeah but 
like oh. usually um like when you're feeding a snake uh you have a snake and you feed it i you mm-hmm. buy like white mice i think that's generally what you buy that's the cheapest thing to buy like and that makes it so that most snakes can eat it but yeah so there's such a different imagery from like mice and yeah. rats and I mm-hmm. don't really think that, like, people, um, pet suppliers or whatever would ever, like, breed rats to sell <laughs> to, like, zoo owners. I could be wrong. I could be I wrong. I think, you know what? The zoo is in dire straits, and I mm-hmm. think they were cutting corners. Okay. And I wonder if it's cheaper to get just, like, a bucket of rats from, like, New York. They <laughs> ship them across the country. Or maybe they were, like, used up lab rats. Mm, okay. I like that. So um, they're all like coked out, coked out. One's they got died like an from like heart failure. One has an ear grafted to its back. They're they're still like mm, moving. <laughs> One of them but... speaks in a human voice and mm-hmm. says, "Don't don't feed me." Yeah, but that's that's okay. That was really all I wanted to say, just because um I, I found some of the dialogue to be uh I found it to be very it it was either like too fluid like it was kind of like oh you're not acting like you're not doing anything or Mm -hmm. it was like super clunky yeah especially all of scarlett johansson's yes i I think i you know i've said this before there's like one effective line reading i think that she has Mm -hmm. which is when she's like don't make me get angry like i think that that scene works well for her even then is that the scene where there's like a very she I feel like every time she has like a confrontation with Matt Damon, mm-hmm. she has a very like quick mood swing and there's no like build up where yeah. it's like it's like clear that like I don't know, the script says like you know, I forget what her name is, but Scarlett Johansson <laughs> gets Scarlett Johansson gets a little angry. Yeah. And then like the line and then like suddenly she erupts and like she doesn't take the time to like build it up in like the three lines in between like getting angry mm-hmm. and blowing up i i think i think this is the only scene where that works i think that like where it super doesn't work and this is like exactly what you're talking about is like that first why'd you even buy this zoo i'm 28 i don't i don't go out that what's was, going on like that was so weird to me cuz yeah. it's like and cuz at that point like if like if i was in her shoes and like you know some like i can understand why she would maybe be hesitant to trust this guy but he yeah. hasn't done anything to like show no. that he doesn't have good intentions like he's just kind of like yeah i'm i'm here to learn like tell me what needs to be done what's high priority mm-hmm. and i can make that happen which is like i kind of what it, like a good owner of any business does is yeah. like you know listen to the concerns of the people who are more on the ground and like make it yes, happen 100% and and she just goes off off the rails at him mm-hmm. in a way that feels like very uncalled for mm-hmm. like i get that she would be kind of just distrusting um but that i think is is exactly what you were talking about of like if she is supposed to end that confrontation being like irritated with him she does not show us how she got there it's 0 to 100 no, and and if she had played it a little more like, well, you should probably, you know, X, X Y, Z needs to be done. And he was like, yeah. okay, like, can you help me out with that? And she's like, I was supposed to get off early today, but like, yeah. fine. Yeah. Then yes. it's like, okay, then that makes a little bit more sense where it's like, mm-hmm. you don't want to be the one like teaching this guy how to do anything. But instead, she just like 
goes immediately into like, I don't have a life because of this place and you just yeah. want to buy it. And it's like, what's then, your problem? And then immediately de-escalated when she's like, why'd you buy this place? And he's like, why not? Why not? And then and then she just like does a little <laughs> smirk. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's it is. Uh, like, what? where's her emotional baseline? I'm not understanding. Yeah, which is why I think the only scene where it works is where she is like, now actively fed up with him for not wanting to think about Spar dying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you have to think about this. And he's like, no. And then she like leaves. And then she spins back around. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to get, I'm so, I'm going to get pissed at you. Yeah. Like that is the only scene where I think it works. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Because she, she is, uh, yeah, she's very wooden a lot mm-hmm. of the time. I think that's just her as a person and actress. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's going to be, I'm going to do a whole other episode about kind of like the performances in this movie. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, I've touched on them with so many people in so many different episodes like this. This is a great conversation mm-hmm. about it. But like, I think we really need like a full hour need to, to like. to dedicate. Yeah, I yes. hear you. Yes. Yeah. Well, we can get into like the pacing. I'm done bitching about the act. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's dive in. Um, should we just start at the, at the top? Yeah. Cause, cause the weirdest kind of, not the weirdest, cause this movie makes a lot of weird structural choices, but one of the weirdest structural choices that this movie makes, and this is, this is something that I've brought up before is that it begins with a voiceover from the sun that never comes back Mm-mm. as this as this framing device and it it creates it creates a very strange tone for the beginning of the movie and it i, I don't even know it it creates this like disconnect between the the film and the audience because we're viewing it through this framing device yeah and it's also cuz like it would be one thing if it's sort of, one, it should have come back at the yes. end and be like, and now we're on our greatest adventure ever. Like, honestly, they should have done that instead of that weird, like, panel at the end. Or, like, they should have put it right before the, like, um, the me family, Benjamin, me and his children oh, oh, still live the, on the uh, zoo or whatever. Like, the, the right. sort of based on a true story yes. thing. Um, It also, like... um. It draws such a disconnect between, like, there's such a disconnect between that voice that's like, my dad traveled all over the world having amazing adventures. And the character of Dylan himself, who is super angsty, he's clearly not over his mom's death, he's super emotional, Mm -hmm. he is butting heads with his dad at every opportunity, and it, it doesn't seem like he has admiration for his dad at least not that's not his top emotion like it seems more like at the surface he really resents his dad throughout most yeah. of the movie until their big confrontation so it's like okay so you have this weird framing device you're painting benjamin as the main character like i get that um you're establishing him as like this travel journalist who like can't travel anymore and like is an adventure yeah. addict okay i get that but it also would have been just as effective if you had done like you know, like he's in his bee suit and he's like, I'm surrounded by a thousand killer bees. And if I didn't have yeah. this on it, like you didn't need the voiceover to establish that. Like you could have done it as like a this is life before mm-hmm. shit hit the fan without this weird voiceover that doesn't really connect anywhere else. I honestly think it would have made more sense and would have worked as a better framing device because the movie, if you take away the um the like panel based on a true story, like they're adding giraffes, like that stuff. Because mm-hmm. that as a coda, I think you can just tack on to the end. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the framing of the movie as the movie ending with Benjamin telling the story about how he met Catherine, mm-hmm. I think it would have made more sense. And, and especially with Rosie 
saying, oh, I'm so glad you're telling stories again. Mm -hmm. It would have made more sense for Benjamin to be narrating the opening to say like, you know, I, I had I went on a lot of adventures because he's the one who's always talking about adventures. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's like, you know, we're we're starting. I, I like to think of us as modern day adventurers. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, he even calls the doesn't he, he call it the like the Rosemore Zoo adventure. Like yeah. he it would have made, I think, structurally way more sense and would have been way less confusing for Dylan's character mm -hmm. if Benjamin had narrated the opening, because then you know, we're getting this this voiceover from a Dylan who barely exists by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a super weird framing device. And then, like, you know, I I didn't have a huge problem with sort of, like, the intro after that in terms of, like, yeah. the busy single dad. Like, I think it sets up sort of, like, the circumstance as well where it's, like, he doesn't have a handle on his kids mm -hmm. right now. Like, he, you know, has to go to Subway to get them lunches. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, being fucking mobbed by moms when yeah. <laughs> which was so uncomfortable i that, hated it that actress who was is like the one who desi Liddick. yes she yeah. she's really good because i feel like she plays <laughs> she plays like that kind of character a lot i feel like i i don't know that much that she's done besides like the daily show yeah true i guess uh, yeah, I guess I've seen her on The Daily Show a lot. I just, I really like her. But um, <laughs> I feel like I've seen her in other stuff where she plays like, that's yeah. like sort of over the top really well. So I really, well, I enjoyed that performance. Thing. Like there's a lot of characters, her included in this movie that are like, you know, written to be over the top. McCready. I think I, McCready. Oh my God. Yeah. Rhonda. I've, McCready, Rhonda, Walter Ferris. Mm -hmm. um, even Lily sometimes like. Uh, I think they did Elle Fanning so dirty. I think she's great. I think she's great. I think the character is weird. That's that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Like I think because Elle Fanning, um, I watched The Great all the way through a couple months ago. Okay. Elle Fanning is an excellent actor. Yes. Excellent yes. actor. So it's like to have her play this like <laughs> me too people I'm like what yeah. the fuck are you doing this girl can do nuance and you're not giving yep. her anything but regardless i didn't mind like sort of how that was set up mm -hmm. um i thought it was kind of weird like it, so he drops the kids off at school whatever he goes to meet uh duncan, duncan for lunch yep. duncan's like you have to you know you can't avoid everywhere you and Catherine were you have to move mm -hmm. on you should call yep. the girl from the juice place whatever yeah. He's like, no, no, like, Catherine was the love of my life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's like, clearly, Duncan is like, pushing him to do something. Yeah. Um, and then I felt like they spent a lot of time where Matt Damon is inactive after that conversation to the point where it's almost like, like, I wish that before that conversation, you know, maybe he's dropping the kids off and mm -hmm. the principal calls him in and that's when they have the conversation about Dylan get it, getting expelled. Like, I wish a little bit more had mm -hmm. happened before that conversation so that that conversation happened a little bit closer to, like, the real estate agent. Right. You know what I, can I mean? See, yeah, I can see that because after that, like, we have, he goes to meet the boss, then he goes to Dylan's school, Dylan mm -hmm. gets expelled, then he goes home and uh, Rosie's making sandwiches. Like, and then yeah. there's the like, uh, Rosie can't sleep. And then he's like, all right, let's go to the real estate. Yeah. So I, like, I think it would have been more effective if maybe he's like, I am struggling. Dylan got expelled. 
I quit mm-hmm. my job. Duncan's like, you're an idiot. Why'd you quit your yeah. job? But like, yeah. if you're going to quit your job, then like you need to go do something new. Like you need to let mm. things go. You need to, you know, move on. And so like if Duncan's going to be that like that force and sort of yeah. like that initial push to like move on, then it makes a lot more sense for Matt Damon to talk to him after, you know, these these first few events have happened i think as opposed to like right at the top of the movie right because we don't really know enough about matt damon at the top of the movie Mm -mm. we we can see that he's struggling but we haven't seen him really like react to new events yeah so so we're getting it's interesting because honestly the the scene between him and duncan is maybe the most effective scene in that in that first like you know 15 Mm -hmm. minutes of the movie um, I think it tells us the most about his character, maybe in a little clunky way, but like you could do a lot with Duncan as that foil to like, re- like you said, react to Dylan getting expelled, to him quitting his job, to uh, him, you know, thinking about all the places, the house included, that he grew up in with mm-hmm. Catherine, not grew up in, but the kids are growing up in with Catherine. And you know, all that scene really does otherwise is just like introduce us to Little Dom's, the the yeah. cafe. When I think of like when like someone who I love and is close to me is like going through a hard time or maybe is coming mm-hmm. to me like, I don't know what to do. I'm having a huge problem. Like that's when I would say what Duncan is saying. Like if mm-hmm. I was just like, if I sort of had like background, so say like I have a friend who's going through a breakup. Like if right. I have background knowledge of that, I might ask them about it in a very casual way to be like, how are you doing? But like, I feel like the level that Duncan was going to was like a sort of solution based, like a solution oriented way to talk to someone that you love, which doesn't often come up when you're kind of just like, again, it's like, like he, he, we haven't seen him react to anything. So it's like, it doesn't make sense where it's like, okay, so like, Obviously, the wife died six months ago. That's really hard. But it's not an immediate event that he's reacting yeah. to. Like, now he's he's trying to get comfortable in the aftermath of that. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. it, like it just, it, it felt like that sort of advice or whatever would have been a lot more meaningful to the audience and also to the structure of the film. If, if Duncan was like, okay, you need to do something because clearly your mm-hmm. kids are unhappy. Clearly, you're yes. unhappy. Like, you need to do something. And then he's like, we bought a zoo. And Duncan's like, I didn't mean that. But like, you know what yeah. I mean? But then it's like, yeah. okay, at least like it makes a little bit more sense why he would yes. and then, me, be pushed to make such a drastic move. Yeah. And then you have the two Duncan scenes more closely sandwiched around the zoo buying. Mm-hmm. And then that that becomes like a, a better, I think, like ping pong. Yeah. And not to mention, imagine, imagine like that scene playing out pretty similarly, but like Matt Damon is so stressed out because like his son just got expelled and he doesn't have a job. And then Duncan is like, oh, how about little Doms? And Matt Damon is like, really? You're gonna like, yeah. he he can he can have so much more of a like intense reaction to that rather than this just like kind of like, nope, no, 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 no. Like, yeah. it can be so much more of like, I can't believe you'd say that. And then, and then you have this like, ah, oh, fuck, ah, oh, shit, I... I didn't mean to do that. On top, ah oh, man. Yeah, I'm just really can... struggling. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. Duncan's like, it's okay. I just really think you guys need to change and like, yes, let's yes. figure something out. Like, then it feels a little bit more supportive and a little bit less like insensitive. Yes, 
and then and then we can get to the <laughs> the the weird realtor scene. That was so off. Yeah. That was so off. That's a, that's another thing and I guess this sort of goes in pacing is like has to do with pacing and like how it felt like they were so desperate to make this like a sort of dramedy that yeah. they had really overwrought drama and then they had mm-hmm. really like Dr. Doolittle-esque comedy, like really yeah. ridiculous shit. So you have this yeah. like caricature of a real estate agent who's like, I'm so excited and I can tell that I would love your mom if I if I had met her because yeah. I love you. And it's like yeah. like this like overly smarmy, overly like energetic mm-hmm. And it's like, how does this person fit in this world? Like, we have no indication that people are like this in this movie. Yeah, it's another another guest. Um, my friend Yusuf put this pretty well. He called it like Disney Channel schmaltz. Yes, like that's it, a it's great this, phrase. It it totally doesn't fit in this like very down to earth world where like yeah we see that you know bringing the bear back costs eight thousand dollars and we see him like put it in the debt and like we there are whole montages of him signing checks and like mm-hmm. this is like a very real grounded world but then also you have this like zany realtor you have this like drunk scotsman you have mm-hmm. the, like there are these characters that like go from zero to a hundred that just like feel like they're they're lifted from like a disney channel original movie it, yeah they just they don't fit in Honestly, they don't fit in a Matt Damon movie. I'm sorry, but mm. Matt Damon is not this kind of dude. Like he he is not like once you put Matt Damon in the lead role, you kind of mm. know what you're getting into. Like it's going to be a pretty grounded plot for the most part. I don't know. Have you seen The Brothers Grimm? That's I, all I over not. the place. Oh, that movie's insane. I have not. But like if we're thinking like Goodwill Hunting, The yes. Martian, like, um, <laughs> you know, stuff. And even The Martian, for all of its ridiculous science fiction, it's yeah. still like, this is like a real guy doing it. Like, this yes. is not like a, a zany situation. So, yeah, it's like, it's so odd because you have like, there are a couple no- moments when I noticed this where it was like, the real estate agent, uh, McCready, yeah. like, he's kind of crazy. Walter Ferris, obviously, that actor yeah. was not a good choice. Because <laughs> I like that actor. I think he's funny but and like i i don't know what his i I don't know what his name is honestly but he i know i forgot to we could just call him walter ferris yeah but he always plays that sort of like schmaltzy character and i think i think he plays it really well in like mike sure programming (laughs) but i don't (laughs) yes it's not meant for this you're right there is a certain like parks and reckiness to it or like the good place yeah vibe where like yeah, he he feels those like those three characters could have been could have thrived as side feels, characters in the good place. He feels like like a knockoff of Sean from the mm-hmm. good place. Mm-hmm. Like who's ah oh, fuck who's that actor? I forget his name. I don't know, but he's but also he's, Kevin in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, yeah, but yes, like he he feels like like a counterpart to that um, kind of very like stern but quirky figure who's like. Every other line is meant to be a punchline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like with those two, and then also when the bear escapes, that yeah, was another. Can... Yeah. I, I don't want to get ahead of anything, but but yeah, there are a handful of times where it's a shame because like you just feel like you get taken out of it. Yes. I mean, and then the first, we bought a zoo. We did right. buy a zoo. Give me some yeah. fork. 
Give me some fork. That comes 23 minutes into the movie. That's in- and-, and it's one of like three or four times that's said. It's three. I think three times they say we bought a zoo in the movie. The, the, the wild thing is that like in a movie about buying a zoo, in a movie about animals, the first mention of a zoo is 19 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And like we, the audience, have seen the title card. We mm-hmm. bought a zoo. We've we've ostensibly bought a ticket to this movie or rented or bought this movie. And we know that it's called We Bought a Zoo. We know that it's about them buying a zoo. Mm-hmm. But it's still 20 minutes before we even see an animal and 23 minutes before they officially buy the zoo. Yeah. And but... <laughs> even even with the kind of like all the, the groundwork you need to do establishing this world, like in a tighter movie, it should not take you 23 minutes to buy the zoo. No, I I totally agree. I think you could have cut out a lot of shit yeah. before they, they bought a zoo. Like, maybe he's looking at real estate stuff online. Like, maybe he doesn't have to have an agent, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe, he's yeah. just, maybe he's just on Zillow or whatever. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, mean, this is this is 2011, you know? Like, people were listing real estate online. He's looking at a binder of, like, computer printouts. Like, there are just ways that you could have... Mm-hmm condensed it you didn't need to have the whole thing with the principal or whoever like here's a lovely portrait of bob marley yeah. and we're be- yeah. and like being so like gross you didn't um, and you didn't need the fucking intro you didn't need mm-mm. the the montage no so yeah i agree you could have gotten this in easily at the 10 to 15 minute mark of like yeah at least actually... at least introduce us to the yes, zoo. exactly so then they get to the zoo and they like buy it yeah um and and there's no conflict for almost an hour. And it's it's just kind of like the day-to-day we meet these characters. Um the right, we are we are now at the, you know, 25 minute mark mm-hmm. introduced to the rest of the characters in the movie. And I just want to I just really quickly since yeah. you know, there's nothing else to talk about in this hour, <laughs> I just want to come in with a couple of Scarjo's great op- great lines. Yes, um, please. So, number one, she calls Benjamin Ben, and he goes, yes. Benjamin, Ben was my yeah. dad, which is, like, <laughs> weird, because, like, yeah. like, usually it would be the op, like, that trope is generally, like, yeah. don't call Co- me Mr. Jones, you know, call me Ben, Mr. Jones was my father, or whatever, and right. it's, like, he, he's taking the more kind of, like, formal. proper, yeah. yeah, which is formal, weird. that's the word. Scarlett Johansson says... Uh, Matt Damon's like, oh, we need to get better cages. Uh, they're not cages; they're enclosures. My brief marriage, My brief marriage. that was a cage. <laughs> My brief marriage, that was a cage. Insane, and, and that never has, comes back. No, and then she has this big blowout, and she says, "I'm supposed to be meeting guys named Brett. I'm pathetic." It's like, whoa! Oh my god, I hate you're I, coming the, in so hot to your new boss. Yeah, that's the other thing that we didn't really talk about when we talked about that moment is that she is divulging so much personal information right there. And it's, again, I mean, this does feed into, like, the structural thing, but, like, it's telling, not showing mm-hmm. these things about a character that we are introduced to, you know, 25 minutes into the movie. Now she's a, a main character, and we need to, like, almost play catch up because we've had all this time to, like, meet and live with Matt Damon and his kids, and now we need to kind of be at that level with Kelly. Yeah. And, and- we're not there yet, so suddenly it's just, like... Here's my fucking resume. <laughs> and you'd think that, like, it would make more sense with her character if she's so hesitant and not trusting of Benjamin mm-hmm. that, like, these things would eke out a little more slowly as they become closer. Like, that would sort of 
you know, if she's like this like rugged loner zookeeper where like, right. you know, maybe, you know, when they're putting up the maybe when they're, you know, helping to build an enclosure and he makes comment mm-hmm. about a cage like, yeah, then she yeah. says like, as someone who had a marriage that was like a cage, this is much nicer or something like that. Yeah. And then maybe they could have had a, a slight conversation about that. Like, it doesn't make sense for this all to be happening right now in terms of like how her character is like introduced to us sort of in like the archetypes that she is. Uh, I would agree with that. I also think it could have made sense for like maybe Robin or McCready to like give that same information early on. Mm-hmm. So then it so then there can be a moment where she's like, who the fuck told you about that? Mm-hmm. Like where she can where we can get that information in a way that doesn't feel as clunky for her to deliver. Yeah. Because if somebody else is like, you know, she doesn't she doesn't like you, man. She's like, she she put her whole fucking life into the zoo and now mm-hmm. you're coming like that feels more natural than her saying it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Than, than her divulging it. Um, right bef- before we move on, just mm-hmm. because we kind of brushed over this segment of the movie um, where she introduces everyone to the tigers and says that they chuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let me hear your chuff. Let me hear your best chuff. Oh, my God. What is it? It's like... <sighs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> also, way too much time spent on that. Yeah. Way well, too much time spent a- on that. It's important that we know everything about the tigers because that is going to be like a whole thing throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I understand that it's like, I don't, it's also like, and maybe this is like the biologically correct term, but like, mm-hmm. you couldn't have said like, purr? Like, why did you have to say chuff? They chuff. Yeah, it's just like the word chuff is like very weird to have repeated that many times, (laughs) especially because it's not like common in the vernacular. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so it makes sense. Like tigers don't roar. Okay, great. Everyone who's watching knows what a roar is supposed to sound like and and can envision a tiger roaring. Maybe has had that vision. And then the zookeeper's like, no, they, they let out more of a purr. And this is how they do it. And we and and she could say like they let out more of a purr. It's really called the chuff. Mm-hmm. Like like that's that that is like a a more um, accessible, I think, line. Yeah, like for like a family movie, like you got to mm-hmm. dumb it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this a, is this a family movie? Because a lot of times it doesn't feel like one. No, it doesn't. But <laughs> what's the rating on this, by the way? Do you know off the top of your head? Rated PG. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it is. A, it is. A, it is technically a family movie, but like a lot of the times, it really does not feel like a family movie. So yeah, I that was weird. Um, and then like obviously we can tell off the bat, Rosie's loving it. Rosie's having the time of her life. What seven year old wouldn't? And Duncan yeah. um wants to fucking kill himself. Like he is yeah. so Dylan. You mean? Uh, D- Dylan, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two similar names. Um, yeah. Dylan is like very upset, does not want to be there. Um, mm-hmm. I wish they had explored. I think this is, you know, like a f- sort of a f- like maybe a week or two after they or maybe a month or whatever after they get there when Rosie has this like, you know, Dylan really loves you. Like he's just sad that because none his- of his friends came to visit. And yeah. I wish we had explored that more because I feel like I feel like a lot of maybe like children or teens who watch this movie probably could have related to Dylan pretty more if they didn't make him such a dick for no reason. Yeah, because a lot of the scenes that we get with him are just like him drawing, being moody, kind of like brushing El Fanning off, mm-hmm. kind of like being a bit of a standoffish prick. 
And if we had seen him, I don't know, make a call to his friend and yeah, like, or maybe they don't, yeah, like leave a couple, you know, maybe he calls one friend, they don't pick up. Hey, hey, yeah. Brett, it's Dylan. Um, I'm, you know, I wonder if you wanted to come. Like, we got a lion. Like, you can help yeah. me feed it. Like, you know, whatever. Or like, um, you know, hey, hey, Tyler, uh, we have this like really cool like golf cart or whatever that we could like mm-hmm. drive around. If you see him like maybe leaving a couple of voicemails, maybe text messaging people and them like not opening like four or five text messages in a row then it's like okay this is like a deeply lonely kid who feels like he doesn't have anyone and like the one person he had like clearly he was really close with his mom is -hmm. now passed away and he feels like his dad doesn't even care it's like and his dad doesn't care like we only get we only get hints of this kind of like deep sadness with dylan and it's played almost exclusively through matt damon's uh, viewpoint of, mm-hmm. of his son which like doesn't really help the audience empathize with dylan as much as we should especially when it comes to like their big blowout later mm-hmm. because i think at like that scene i i empathize with dylan so much mm-hmm. i think like dylan is in the right in in that in that moment but like up until then we've just kind of seen him be like a little douche yeah and Yeah, so, like, maybe if we, maybe you have, like, Dylan telling Rosie stories about their mom. Yeah. Maybe you're like, yeah, I remember when you were born, like, you weren't that cute. You know, like, kind of ribbing her Mm. like an older brother Mm -hmm. would, but, like, you know, you know, you weren't that cute. We barely see them be be siblings in this movie. Rosie is um, basically played to be, like, the family mediator, um, which is insane. Yep. Yeah, it's like... Like, I feel like there were ways to, you had two hours. You could make Dylan more likable. But in, <laughs> You can make Dylan more likable. You can make him more like a brother. Because right now, the whole movie feels like, or the whole family dynamic feels like, this is a father to two children separately. Mm-hmm. And they have no relationship to each other. Which maybe is true, but it it doesn't feel real like i believe well, i believe yeah. matt damon's relationship to each child i don't believe that it's like a family in, yeah in a way. and and i think i mean like i'm just remembering so when i and not to get too heavy but when i was 12 my dad had cancer and okay. it was he's fine now don't worry i don't have a dead parent <laughs> um i'm not gonna drop that on the pod but but, he, but he's that's totally... what, that'd be a wild thing to drop 45 minutes into a podcast about a movie with terrible with a pacing. Dead, a, a terrible pacing and a dead parent to, yeah. to drop that in. Um, but so I was 12, my brother was 10, and my sister was uh, like seven. So mm-hmm. like I had about the same age difference with my sister that Dylan and Rose have. And when you have like a sort of like big family tragedy like that, when you're kind of a little younger you yeah. do kind of like come together as a unit in a much bigger way because like, you know, it's it's like trauma bonding. Like you yeah. you you have this experience and only, you know, three other people in my life really, my mom, my brother, and my sister know like what I went through and I know what they went through like in that time. And so yeah. like I think it would make a lot more sense if you showed them and like maybe Dylan has been distant. Maybe he is processing this all on his own. He feels super lonely. He's getting hints of depression, whatever. I think that's totally realistic. But then, like, show maybe Rosie trying to play with him and he, like, brushes it Mm. off. And then maybe, you know, he's feeling sad and they end up looking at a photo album of their mom together. And, like, Mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't make sense that they, not only would they not really hang out, 
but like it doesn't make sense that they would have like they almost had like no one-on-one interaction i felt like i don't think they did i think the only conversations they really have are when they're like getting ready to leave right before the snakes are outside and they're like um she's like uh dylan likes lily like Mm -hmm. um and then they have like a little banter and I I might be wrong, but I think that that might actually be it. Yeah, and I don't think that's like natural, because like I think I think Dylan is painted to be a prick, but it's like it's very clear that he is like a deeply emotional guy and is yeah. probably pretty empathetic. So I think that even if he was like sort of withdrawn and kind of depressed, I think his instinct would be to comfort Rosie and to try and mm. like be a good big brother to her. Like, that's just kind of the vibe I sort of get from him. Like, he doesn't seem like a dick. He just seems sad, you know? Yeah, well, I wonder if if that kind of, like, depression is preventing him from reaching out. Or, I mean, we don't know enough about their relationship. Like, here's something that I, you know, talked about on the last episode, which hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. But it it's this idea that, like, it's possible that when Rosie was born, he kind of felt distanced from the family unit, mm-hmm. you know, as as the older child with a new baby in the house. And if you look at kind of the environment of their first house before they move, there's a lot of like cutesy childhood art mm-hmm. up on the fridge on the walls. And it seems like there was this showcase for Rosie as a young, cute artist especially pushing out Dylan as mm-hmm. this like troubled, depressed artist where there was like, if even if it wasn't explicit, there was this implied favoritism. Mm-hmm. And even if Dylan wanted to be a big brother, it's very possible that he felt slighted by Rosie's presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that's probable. And I think it's very mm-hmm. clear that Matt Damon favors Rosie to Dylan. Yes. Um, yes. But I don't know. It's just like, I feel like, again, it's like, you know, Rosie is his sister and their mom just died. So I feel like yeah. even if he felt that resentment, I just I just think it's so unnatural that they wouldn't even if it was an antagonistic relationship. Yeah. I think it's so weird that they had no relationship. And I think yeah. it would have been a better use of the time to maybe go from like an antagonistic relationship into a more nurturing big brother little sister relationship towards the end where they're yeah. where he's he's working on, you know, Maybe because, you know, she has that moment with Matt Damon where she's like, where Matt Damon's like, oh, you, you can't see mom. You can't hear her. Yeah. Well, you know, catch her spirit. She'll always be with yeah. you. Maybe there's a moment where like Dylan does that with her while Matt yeah. Damon is like, you know, it may be when um, Scarlett Johansson is like putting them to bed or whatever. I guess she just knew that Matt Damon would be gone. <laughs> um, but maybe like in that and he, you know, he tucks her in and is yeah. and maybe, you know, Scarlett Johansson is like doing the dishes and Rosie's like. Dylan, like, will you tell me a story about mom or whatever? Yeah. I, it, like, you know, it is it, that would feel much more like an actual sibling dynamic than, again, like you're mm. saying, like two kids with the same dad. Yes. it's It goes back to that, like, telling instead of showing because we, we are, it's almost this weird reversal of that where, like, it would actually be better if we, if Dylan, like, told us some of these things instead of just, like, we see him clutching a weird mm-hmm. portrait of the mother, which weirdly almost feels more like telling instead of showing, mm-hmm. even though it is this, you know, visual rather than than Dialogue. exposition. Mm-hmm. 
yeah it, it feels it feels like visual exposition just mm-hmm. like lazy shorthand to show us that he was close to the mom rather than us getting like insight into this character and how he related to both the mother to rosie to the family unit mm-hmm. like what what dylan was like pre-tragedy mm-hmm. but yeah i agree yeah yeah i think i think just you know getting back to like the structure like a lot of the like animal antics could have been sidelined in favor of like a more compelling family narrative. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then I feel like there are a couple of things where like again it just kind of like never comes back like mm-hmm. it's sort of like when they're setting up the zoo and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Matt Damon goes in with the porcupines like, oh, these guys yeah. are pretty docile. Oh, they get crazy yeah. at night, but we never see them at night. We never see them again, actually. Yeah, we never it's see like, them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you're going to focus on antics and you're going to set yeah. up all these like sort of kooky situations where maybe Matt Damon gets a quill in his nose or whatever, then like mm-hmm. fucking do it. Like I'm over it. Yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of thing where it's like, I bet they only had the porcupines for a day. They could yeah. rent the porcupines for, for like eight hours and that's the scene they had to shoot. Um, it's, yeah, you're it's that kind of thing right. like then like, you know, the ostriches pecking at uh Duncan or or like um the box of snakes. You know, we never see the snakes in their nice enclosure after mm-hmm. that. Like it's it's all of these like one off little animal skits that don't they feel, feel cohesive. No, and they feel like they belong in like a Mr. Bean or Dr. Yeah. Doolittle, you know, yeah. episode than, you know, like a family dramedy. Like it just doesn't yeah. feel it doesn't feel cohesive. And then, um, yeah, and then he, Dylan, like, kicks a snake and yeah, Scarlett... Yeah, and he never faces any consequences no, for that. And, and also Scarlett Johansson is like, I didn't appreciate his attitude. And it's like, yeah, um, that's <laughs> fucking inappropriate. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, if... Like, I know for a fact if, like, some random adult told my parents that like me or one of my siblings had, like, a bad attitude when we were 14, yeah. they would have been like, fuck you. Like, yeah. you don't... She says, I notice your kid pushes a lot of your buttons and you give him a lot of rope, mm-hmm. which, first of all, mixes Mixing two metaphors. Yep. 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 Um, but <laughs> but I, also... I remember I thought that too, and I, I don't think I had the time to write it down because I yeah. was so enraged at like what she said after, but I, yes. Yes. But, but yeah, she's, she's so out of line with that. She should be, I mean, like she should rightly criticize him for kicking the snake mm-hmm. as the zookeeper. She should bring that up and maybe then they can have like a little spat because also the thing is there's really besides the stuff with spar there's like no conflict between matt damon and scarlett johansson no no like no like palpable interpersonal conflict no and that's why it it just it just felt like such a waste of time every scene they were in together where it's like you knew they were going to end up together because they were matt damon and scarlett johansson like but other than that there was no reason for them to be like romantically involved it felt like I've talked about this before. I think their romance should have stopped, should have started and stopped in the scene where he's like, you're pretty, but I'm not going to kiss you. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's, th- that feels like a, a realistic, if eh, semi-realistic kind of representation of like awkward workplace sexual tension that you know shouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and just like is diffused and then your coworkers. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, um, but but I want to just jump ahead because like literally it, this this is up to fifty five minutes until we get a, an actual conflict. Are, and that's when Walter Ferris comes in. Walter Ferris leaves. He's he's there for like five minutes. He mm-hmm. leaves at the fifty five minute mark. I just want to say, yeah. Sorry, really quickly. Th- yeah, yeah, he 
brought in so much scummy sexual energy that felt She's, so yes. out of place. It's like the, that, the phallic tape measure that, you yep. know, and the, and the him dick like, measuring thing and him the... like openly hitting on Scarlett Johansson. And then um, yep. Robin being like, he lusts you. One yep. weird way to phrase that. It's just like, t- take one for the team. That one. That was so fucking weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, he brought in such a, and again, it, it it's, you know, we talked about it earlier, but it's like, um, it's just such an out of place energy for yeah. like what this movie is. Yes, exactly. Well, that's the thing is that like, that's why I question it's like as a family friendly Christmas movie, it's like mm-hmm. so much of this is out of place. So much of it is weird. So much of it just feels like completely lifted from a different genre. Yeah. Like what if they had an inspector? And also it's like clearly this inspector like is sort of out to get them and is kind of mm-hmm. like not wanting to reopen them because of yeah. his like feud with McCready. But like, like, I guess wouldn't it fit the tone better if maybe this was an inspector who like really wanted to pass them, like was trying really hard to look aside from things and then was like, I can't pass you. I'm so sorry. I really want to, but I can't. I don't know, because this movie doesn't have a villain and kind of needs a villain. Yeah. Like, in a way that, like, not, I don't think this movie needs a villain, but I'm saying, like, from a narrative structure for what this movie is, it needs, it has created a problem for itself where it needs to give the movie a villain and doesn't have one. Yeah, it needs and to so give, has, like, a, a, a person to fight against, not just, like, obstacles of running a zoo. Right, because the obstacles of running a zoo can be solved with just, like, montages mm-hmm. and you have nowhere to focus that energy as an audience to be like, wait, are they doing it? Did they do it? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, and I, I I, don't mean to, and I don't want to like interrupt your your point you're about to make about like being 50 minutes in and getting the first yeah. <laughs> conflict, but like um, this is sort of when I realized I was like, there are so many, there's like such a mix of stakes in here where like yes. none of them really matter, but then some of, like none of them are life or death. However, yes, there are some that clearly matter more than others. Like, for example, like Dylan and Matt Damon's relationship. I would say that's pretty mm-hmm. high stakes of, yes. a, of a conflict, and that, and but then you also have like McCready's feud, and then you also mm-hmm. have um, like L Fanning and Dylan, and then you also yep. have all these problems with the zoo. Where I was like, you need yeah. to kind of focus on one thing and like i get it that like you know you, you kind of need to have your a plot your b plot you need to kind of mm-hmm. like you know you need to mix it up but like you know uh, i don't it, it felt like they never knew what the main their main plot was is sort of the thing this movie has too many little side plots mm-hmm. going on which sometimes feed into the main themes like mm-hmm. i think that the, the the subplot of the sick tiger the old sick tiger while it's like very heavy handed, no, but I think feeds it's... into that into the the themes of the movie. Yes, and way I think better it's necessary. Than like... It gives us a peek into like Matt Damon not being over, yeah, you know, his wife dying and being like, where like he's like, I don't understand why she had to go. I just wanted more time. Yes. Like that yeah. is something that I think is really relatable. I think is a really mm-hmm. sort of important lesson to learn that sometimes like you can't be selfish and you need to just let go. Um, yep. in death and like i think that is a is a good lesson done in a, in a touching way but then it's like okay you can't have that but then also have this like f- fucking walter ferris character like it is exactly, so odd yes. to have both in the same movie mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's tonally dissonant with itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've said this before, but like the the family stuff, like the more down to earth, you know, interpersonal stuff, works so much better than any of the the mm-hmm. zoo shtick. Mm-hmm. Like it it just feels like if they had spent more time, like we talked about earlier, like develop Dylan as a as a brother, develop mm-hmm. these characters in relation to each other, like spend your time on that instead of like uh oh the lion cage is gonna open like yeah that and was, we'll get to that yeah. that's stupid that was so stupid but, but what i what i wanted to say is that 55 minutes we get our first kind of stakes which is like twofold they need to fix up the zoo before walter ferris's next inspection mm-hmm. and it's going to cost an insane amount of money mm-hmm. like and and that leads to like this very distraught Matt Damon of like, oh, uh, uh, oh, is he going to be able to afford it? What's mm-hmm. he going to do? And what happens next is I think the most kind of egregious um, structural problem with this movie. The money and, from the wife. Yes. But but here's here's why. Here's why. Because the money from the wife is insane on on a lot of levels. Like the fact that he finds it in like the pocket of the sweater that he was going to throw away, the fact that, like, it's $84,000 out of thin air, where did it come from? The fact that, like, nobody was aware of this money existing. Like, all of that's crazy. The reason that I have such a problem with it, and, you know, talking about just, like, structural stuff, 55 minutes into this movie, There's Walter an Ferris, hour left after he finds the fucking money. It's not even that. It's not even that. I mean, yes, it is that, but, like, it. That's that's part of it. 55 minutes, Walter Ferris leaves, they need the money. Less than 10 minutes pass before he has the money. That's the thing. And then yes, there's still an hour after that. What what is so, what, what frustrates me to no end is that these are the first stakes of the movie and they are deflated within 10 minutes. And I also, um, the character of Rhonda, yeah. um, I get is supposed to be like kind of annoying and is sort mm-hmm. of uh, also like another sort of mock villain for these like weird 11 but she's only yeah exactly stakes. she's only a villain for these like literally less than 10 minutes because but also oh I my think, god i think the way that this is introduced is so odd like i think if like unless she's she is just like an over-the-top villain it makes no sense that she would like gather the entire staff to be like he's mm-hmm. a fraud he has no more money like as far as like like let's just put you know the ridiculous money thing aside yeah. and let's just say okay he he is probably not it, she's the accountant he's probably not going to be able to afford these repairs yeah. the fact that her first instinct is to be like he is a fraud he doesn't care about us. He doesn't care yeah. about the zoo. It's like he has given no indication that 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 he is a fraud. He has given no indication right. that he's a con man. He he hasn't, as far as we can tell, he hasn't shorted anyone on their paychecks. He right. hasn't um, skimped in terms of like getting the vet for different animals. Um, like he has just dug himself into this hole. It's clear that though that like with the zoo, he has come in with pretty good intentions. Yes, and like. So I find I found it to be super weird because like I I I understand the device, right? That there's sort of like a nefarious person who comes in and wants to like mm-hmm. expose the main character. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense in something like, let's say she's all that, where <laughs> you know, like Freddie Prince Jr. gets exposed to the girl 
is like, you know, it was a bet, right? Like that mm-hmm. makes sense because that was like the impetus for the plot where right. and it, and it's like it's important that they have that conversation before the conflict is resolved. And, and you know, I guess I think that's like a 90 minute movie and that yeah. comes in at, at around the hour mark, probably. Right. Um, but what, what's so frustrating about this is that not only is this kind of introduced out of nowhere in a very unrealistic way, it, it is cutting back and forth between Rhonda, quote unquote, exposing him while he is also getting the money that immediately contradicts what Rhonda is saying. Yeah. And so it's this introduction like he, that he, is deflated immediately. Yeah, like he doesn't have to answer to these accusations because as right. soon as these accusations are put forth, he's like, it's solved, actually. So fuck yeah. you, Rhonda. Which I think true. Here's what I think. Yeah. If if you were going to keep that in, Rhonda has this whole thing. He calls a staff meeting. And he's like, honestly, like, she's right. I don't yeah. I don't have any money and I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, yes. We need to come up with this money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do. And then you have like a few story beats of like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out like, you know, maybe, um, you know, Rhonda quits. Maybe you see like McCready like packing up his dartboard or something like you have some yeah. beats and then the money comes in. Yes. Maybe maybe Dylan. Maybe you see Dylan like packing excitedly like he's mm-hmm. like itching to get out of here. You get another beat of like Elle Fanning being like sad like, I also you, hated that little. Oh, the like, yes, I'm gonna get out of here. Like that little scene. I hate. I hated. It. I was like, I don't think. Ugh. And I mean, again, it's like, you, you, he's like, yes, I'm gonna get out of here. Um, and I'm gonna be able to see my friends. But it's like, okay, yeah. but we also know that you, your friends haven't come to see you. And again, right. like maybe, this would feel maybe more like, like you could paint it. As like Dylan wants things to go back to normal. Dylan wants mm-hmm. his mom back. Dylan wants to be happy again. Dylan is mm-hmm. craving that sense of normalcy. And he feels mm-hmm. like that's been ripped out from under him. So yeah. like maybe paint this as like instead of like, I'm going to see my friends again. I'm so happy to get out of here. Maybe it's like, I can't wait to go home. I can't wait to be back in my bed. I can't wait yeah. to have um like if you paint. I feel like if you put this as more of like Dylan wanting things to go back to when they were good yeah then it makes a lot more sense than dylan just being like oh fuck yeah fuck you l fanning i hate this fucking zoo and i'm gonna leave it's like what where did that come from because it doesn't seem like he hates it he seems at most apathetic right It, it it he's upset by a lot of the circumstances and i mean he does resent the zoo i think that's a better way to put it i think mm-hmm. he resents the zoo rather than outright hates it because yeah. again he he has that like kind of 180 at the end of the movie where he's suddenly like very excited about the zoo. Yeah. Um and is like only drawing animals. Like he he is like willing to to let the zoo into his heart so to speak, but mm-hmm. like it's again that thing of like if he had been better developed as a character earlier in the movie, we could have had a more impactful resolution to like why he wants to leave or where he wants to go. Yeah, and I thought him and Al Fanning's whole story, re- and I mean, we can get to this when we get to this, but their whole story resolution was Banooners. I, I hated it. I hated well, it we're, so we're going to get to the, the 20 we'll seconds there. of insane courage thing. Oh but like, but, but but while we're while we're here, just like you are so right that the money needed to come through later because as it stands, 
from the introduction of there needing to be a lot of money to them having all of the money is under 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of this movie, because then, as you said, there is still an entire act and a half Mm -hmm. to to just keep going. That's what boggled my mind. Like, I I went and checked the time when this Mm -hmm. happened, and I was like, halfway we're doing this. Yeah. This is crazy. This is crazy. Because then what what happens is that like they we can we can get into I just want to like broad strokes here's how the rest of the movie spends its time and then we can like really dive mm-hmm. into to what happens but like broad strokes the money comes through at an hour and ten mm-hmm. and they fix the zoo entirely within the next twenty five minutes mm-hmm. less than ten minutes after that the zoo is approved by Walter Ferris mm-hmm. less than five minutes after that. It starts to rain and they don't know what's going to happen. Less than five minutes after that, the rain is over and the movie's done. Mm-hmm. Like the, everything happens. Well, don't at forget such... the final conflict of them having to get everyone in over the tree. Right. I'm. I'm. I'm <laughs> counting that as like the last hurdle of the like. Fair enough. Yeah. Because it's it that plot is also insane. But like mm-hmm. the story beats happen so quickly one after the other after the other after the other where it, it just like the the tension is created and relieved in a way that gives you narrative whiplash you're, you're right actually about this tree situation i have the movie pulled up where where does this fucking get resolved at yeah so so it's it's raining Which, and then yeah that the way, happens huge health and safety concern yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this. The idea that, like, if Walter Ferris had come back to see that, he would yeah, have shut the he... zoo down immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's introduced and resolved within two minutes of yeah. them waiting for the zoo to open. And then, but yeah, we can get we can get into like the the specifics. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about this confrontation with Dylan and Benjamin, which I yes. think I'm trying to think of like sort of when it comes in. That and- happens that that happens before they are totally finished fixing up the zoo. Mm-hmm. That happens like within the like montages of them the money has come through and they are preparing for Walter Ferris's inspection. Yeah, and this just felt and and again, it's like I don't understand what Matt Damon's beef with his kid is. Like it's like Yeah. There is so clearly a lack of emotional intelligence in terms of what's going on with Dylan from mm-hmm. Benjamin, yep. um, which like doesn't really track with his character, I feel. Mm. Like, here's the thing. I think it tracks that he's like a little selfish and that yeah. like he bought the zoo in an attempt to like put a bandaid on everything. And I think it makes sense that he's like not quite understanding why it doesn't work for Dylan. What Mm -hmm. isn't tracking to me is, like, I wish that in this confrontation, like, they have this huge confrontation. Dylan's like, you never asked me how I'm feeling. You never want to hang out. You never want to talk to me. You're always mad at me. Yep. Makes sense. I think it would have made a lot more sense if Matt Damon was like, I thought, I'm so sorry. I thought I was doing something good for you. I wanted to make sure you had a nice new environment. I wanted to make sure that you had a lot of space. And well, I'm, that's the thing. You know, he, do, he never says sorry. And this, yeah. even after that confrontation, he does not apologize, and he should. Like, but Matt Damon. I, see, this is where we might disagree because I think that Matt Damon is well written as a bad father to Dylan. Like, oh, I, yeah, I, it, I think he's a bad father to Dylan. I just, I guess, 
to it's me, maybe a little cartoonish though like that's it, it feels like to an insane degree and something that i i noticed on this rewatch was from the beginning of the movie he is not paying attention to dylan because like one of their very first interactions is while he's like frantically trying to prepare breakfast he's like uh go grab the bread on the counter and dylan says this has gluten i can't eat this mm-hmm. and from like from the moment we are introduced to this dynamic. It's so subtle, but like mm-hmm. Matt Damon just like doesn't pick up on these things that like Dylan needs. Like Rhonda even later says like, you know, Dylan's clothes don't fit him right. Like the, you know, Matt Damon doesn't know where to buy backpacks for Dylan. Like mm-hmm. he just like is so oblivious. And a lot of times it could go over the top, but I think especially in that blowout fight, the the conflict is that like, this is a man who's not going to apologize to his son because mm-hmm. he thinks that he has done something good and doesn't feel like he needs to explain himself. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that it's like it's pretty obvious that Matt Damon is a bad dad to Dylan. And I agree. It's just like it just it it feels like he gives every other character like the benefit of the doubt. And he sort mm-hmm. of gives like I it, like I, I think it tracks that maybe he's like not picking up on these little things with Dylan because he's a very different person than Dylan. And like, I think that totally tracks. It, it doesn't make sense to me that he there wouldn't be some sort of turning point where maybe he's like, listen, if you want, I we can enroll in a school close where your friends are going and, you know, I'll make the drive every day right. to do it. And Dylan's yeah. like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I love you. Like and Matt Damon's like, I'm so sorry that, yeah. you know, you're hurting and I'm so sorry that I didn't notice I'm going to do a better job of like. Mm-hmm. being a good dad to you it, it and he he addresses dylan as like an equal like it almost feels like especially in that last scene in this sort of mm-hmm. confrontation arc when they're looking at spar but um it's like yeah. they talk to each other as if they're like brothers not like a dad and yeah. son where and, he's like how about we just say what we want the other person to say yeah which is like not a good parenting move to a 14 year old no especially then when dylan what he says is, I like he I'm wants. I'm sorry. His, yeah, he wants his dad to apologize, and that's an apology that, even though it is very directly stated, does not come. But, yeah. but the movie acts like it did. Weirdly, mm-hmm. their relationship seems like mended after that, and it, it's it's frustrating because like the movie treated that conflict with like almost respect like as far as like they didn't inject as much zaniness into it because Mm -hmm. of that like big blowout is like maybe the most grounded the movie ever is Mm -hmm. but they don't treat the resolution with respect yeah it just like it just didn't feel like it wasn't feel good you know like it didn't feel like these this you know this father and misunderstood son had like reached an agreement or like reached an Mm -hmm. understanding like it just felt like glossing over what the real issues are which is that dylan is clearly not coping well um, mm-hmm. with his mother's death, clearly needs someone to talk to about his feelings, yep. and is now just in like a weird, like respectful brotherhood with his dad. Like it just it doesn't yeah. feel it doesn't feel like the resolution Dylan needs. The 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 thing is is that it it feels like at this point in the movie, because this is like an hour twenty five, an hour thirty, mm-hmm. they are just like checking off boxes for conflict resolution Mm -hmm. because like they finished you know they got the money they finished fixing the zoo dylan and his dad are okay like and and um 
uh, Benjamin and Scarlett Johansson had their blowout. And after Scarlett Johansson takes care of his kids, proving to be a potential mother figure, (laughs) they, they, they figure it out and resolve it. And then uh, I forgot that that happens right out right before the blowout. And that's sort of the catalyst. Right. Um, And then, and then they sit down and, and have this conversation about 20 seconds of insane courage in front of spar. And then after that, they put down spar mm -hmm. and now that's another check Mm -hmm. that's, that's been checked off. I Um, did. I did tear up a little bit at spar. I'll be honest. Because yeah, well, I, th- I think it's effective. Yeah, I mean, and there were probably four or five moments when I like genuinely teared up at this movie, and mm-hmm. it was all in like these very grounded moments about like a family trying to move on from tragedy. Yeah, like I teared up when uh, Matt Damon was talking about telling Rosie like you got to capture her spirit; she'll always be in your heart. Like mm-hmm. you can always see her, you can always hear her. Like sort of like. When they're talking about their mom and they're having these like nice conversations as a family, like that is when I yeah. feel like it's effective. Um, yeah. But and and then it's like the it whiplash suddenly mm-hmm. now like there's a zany animal montage and Walter Ferris is like yeah. measuring uh, a twig. And here was a weird okay so the sort of like what happens after they put Spar down, you know Matt Damon, you know. Uh, opens up his computer and starts looking through like photos and videos yeah. of Catherine and his kids. Mm-hmm. And this is after he like was going to, but like sort of wanted to shut it down, like didn't want to feel it. Right. And I don't, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because it, it yeah. feels weird. Like number one, it seems like Matt Damon is really wanting to hold on to the memory of yes. Catherine so it doesn't make sense that he would like not want to reminisce. You know what I mean? So so this is this plays into I think this scene is done very well and and marks a turning point for Matt Damon because it, it's not that he doesn't want to reminisce, it's that reminiscing is painful mm-hmm. for him. I mean, that's why he wanted to move houses, that's why he couldn't okay. go to little doms. Yeah. That's why he couldn't press play on the slideshow. Like Okay. He, yeah. I guess that it, makes more sense, yeah. Yeah, it's this idea that like reliving the past is is re-traumatizing that's mm-hmm. why that's you know that's p- part of why he he finds it hard to look at dylan is because right. it's she triggering looks, yeah, because yeah. yeah yeah i think that's effective but but again you know if we're just talking about story beats while like it's an effective scene i think it does also mark just like a little checkbox mm-hmm. of like now matt damon is ready to move on in, in a way that's like where where it's like that scene has now given the narrative permission for him to hit on Kelly. I also thought this was a lovely scene. Mm-hmm. I thought that Matt Damon's weird like crying and nodding was like, weird. <laughs> like it, that felt like um that felt like what you would cut to if um like the coach was giving an inspiring speech in the locker room. Um, <laughs> it's like where you know the quarterback yeah, is yeah. like tearing up and like yeah. <laughs> like it felt like he was like amping himself up more than like sort of letting the grief flow over him so like i yeah. don't think it was well acted by him but i think it was well shot for sure this I, whole I... movie is beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful yes like there are gorgeous uh sun flare light flares and oh, yeah. all the animals look amazing i love that it's real animals and not fucking cgi yep. there's um, there is one moment that i think is a fake animal and I have to go back and watch, but it is that scene where ScarJo is like getting pissy at Matt Damon for the first time, mm-hmm. where she's like, "I'm 28. Uh, why'd you buy the zoo?" Mm-hmm. In the background, you see 
somebody just like hosing off a um a rhino but the rhino is so still that i'm like that's a that's a fake rhino okay that is a that is a statue of a rhino in the background considering we saw no um like dynamic shots of any rhinos or elephants or anything like that so they probably couldn't rent a big yeah those animals that's that's clearly like somebody being like do you, do you think we should like bring someone in in post to like animate the rhino a little bit in the background and Cameron Crowe looking at it and being like, nah, it's fine. The tiger pi- picture that yeah. Dylan draws is put on the poster. I think that's a nice yeah. way to tie Dylan in. I had no problems yeah. with that. I mean, that's um, another like that's another check mark. Dylan's art is now resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> and then fucking Walter Ferris comes. And this is my favorite yeah. part. Because he's like, I don't think it's going to work, but here you go. And then Matt Damon thrusts the paper up into the sunlight. (laughs) You can't see results. We do not know if it's positive or negative. I mean, it's Um, implied that it's positive. It's Yeah, but I mean, again, it's like (laughs) this showing and telling thing where it's like, um, I don't think that's an effective way to imply that it was positive. Like maybe... Matt Damon says, like, he thrusts up and he's like, open for business or something. It's, like, hey. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. I mean, doesn't Walter Ferris say, like, I don't think it's going to work, but I, I want to see you try or something like that? Doesn't yeah, he have, but, like, a line? Yeah, but he says it kind of quietly hmm. just to Matt Damon. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's not conveying it to the team. That's, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's like um, their, their cue to celebrate is Matt Damon thrusting the paper up, which I don't think is... Right. Well, the whole the, what we don't see is that the team is watching the movie and they know at this moment that the music right, okay. is, is right, right, soaring. Right, right. Got <laughs> it. No, they broke the fourth wall. They celebrate, yeah. yeah. Um, but 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 the crazy thing that we're kind of skipping in that moment is like the immediate introduction of like the lion cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, enclosure, and then that immediately also getting resolved. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the last like walter ferris approving the park wasn't enough tension so now we have this like little bit of extra tension and now it's over and everything's fine like yeah it, like there's it's again no... this this it's like, the same with the bear why put it yeah. in like why it's... not just give the mon like the general montage of walter ferris like kind of being a dick and inspecting yeah. everything like just just an unnecessary time filler like i totally agree it also like maybe it would have been a little more effective if like maybe Dylan had been the one to fix it and like maybe and maybe it wasn't <laughs> maybe it wasn't the lion cage but maybe something yeah. went wrong and Dylan and Lily have to fix it and they like work together as a team well that's a very like, that's a very Disney Channel thing yeah but if we're going with that vibe anyway yeah if if you're going to introduce something that's going to be resolved as quickly as that is then you mm-hmm. may as well pack some plot significance into it because like Scarlett Johansson and McCreary don't have any, like, it doesn't make, like, that's not resolving anything between them. Yeah, and even there's no kind of, like, even McCready doesn't have this, like, sticking it to Walter Ferris energy Mm -hmm. by, like, getting the zoo approved, which you'd think would be, like, it's weird because they just have that very, like, pleasant, like, like, withheld uh greeting like, to each like, other like almost like um uh, what's the word i'm looking for like begrudging like yeah. respect for one another yeah it almost feels Which, like, like, like they were the like vibe. former lovers in yeah. that scene yeah but like they it, had like it, a weird night yeah but like it it doesn't it that feels like we're missing a resolution of him being like um yeah like fuck you walter ferris we did it and walter mm-hmm. ferris being like i'll be back yeah yeah and then yeah, so that was weird. And then um, Lillen 
Dillian, Dylan, and oh, Lily. Oh, my God. Um, Dilly. <laughs> Dilly. Dilly, Lillian. Um, uh, this was... So th- this brings back the 20 seconds of insane courage that mm-hmm. was introduced 20 minutes earlier, mm-hmm. which is now like a very important thematic through line. Mm-hmm. Introduced and in the back half of this film. Introduced in the back half, which now plays an extremely significant role in the resolution of Dylan and Lily's plot and the resolution of the entire film. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this scene in the rain sucks. The scene in the rain sucks. It sucks so bad. And it's like, yeah. also like, I love you. Like, and then you hug. Yeah. Like, yeah. And because it, it's, if you're going to play this as romantic, mm-hmm. you need to give them a kiss. Like, I'm sorry. You have to. And I like that they just hug because I don't want to see a 14 year old and a 13 year old kiss each other. You don't. But if you're marketing this as like a sort of family film, you got to give a little something to the teenagers. Maybe like a kiss on the forehead or like an awkward little like like they're nervous about it. Yes. I don't need to see the macking. I'm saying like <laughs> maybe they have maybe maybe they try and kiss and then they bonk heads and then giggle or something like it, it can yeah. be cutesy. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be sensual <laughs> or like super romantic. <laughs> but yeah. if you're going to have him like run through the rain and give him give make sure that he has this like declaration of love for this, her like notebook fucking then you can't have it end in like a tight friendship hug you that's have what... to you have to give it something a little more because that's what it... should have happened with like matt damon and scar joe they should have had a friendship hug yeah and that should have been it i i i will say in terms of scar joe and matt damon i will reluctantly admit that i liked how they looped back I have a big old crush on you and I can't get a handle on it. I liked that. I thought it was cute. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. I, although the handle on it is a thing that Walter Ferris said that they were then mm-hmm. making fun of, mm-hmm. which again, we never really understand why he did that weird hand motion. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird idiosyncrasy for the mm-hmm. character that like is just, is just weird for the sake of being weird, but yeah. but that's whatever. But like, if we're yes. going to buy into it, I thought it was like probably one of her more natural cute lines um yeah. don't love that they kissed don't, don't really think kiss. don't really think it's gonna work out i don't think he's gonna get married again i don't um, love the implication that now she's like the new surrogate mother figure don't love that and then but that's but we're you know we're now kind of at the end of the movie and hey we bought a zoo we bought a zoo that's we what did it man that's what dylan i mean shit that's what matt damon says to duncan mm-hmm. we bought a zoo uh then everyone has kites flying around everywhere yeah because because it was the mother's favorite because Catherine loved red kites oh i didn't catch that oh yeah that's like in in the little conversation that they have on the porch he's like she loved red kites and blueberry pop tarts oh okay i didn't yeah. i didn't that's okay it's that, like that so makes it's a little bit more it's sense. like okay. this this thematic tie-in of like the mother is always there and then okay. and then we have you know the 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 final scene of the film this is where the waterworks really came in for me i'm not gonna yeah. lie i thought this was a lovely resolution to the film i, I thought it agree. was a lovely resolution to a better made film yes well i think i think a lot of scenes feel like that i think like the blowout fight scene feels like the blowout fight scene from a better made film mm-hmm. i think the like um looking looking through the the iPhoto reel and like seeing them dancing in the kitchen is like uh a surreal moment from a better made film mm-hmm. like 
there are these hints of a better made film and and this is the best of them yeah and again i think this was a missed opportunity for dylan's character because mm-hmm. like okay so he's like what seven years older than rosie so like maybe yeah. um like he has so maybe like he's heard this story before here at the end like mm-hmm. maybe maybe like his maybe Catherine told him this story and yeah and maybe there's an opportunity where he can be like dad make sure you tell rose like don't forget this mm-hmm. part or something like yeah maybe he's the one who maybe maybe he's about to like start the story and then he's like no dad you were outside like and he's mm-hmm. like oh you're right you're right you're right and then he like runs out like i like that that kind of like tying back in and then that shows i think better that like him and his father have like a more healed relationship yeah and and again it just like it brings back this element of like he is a father to two children he is not a father to a brother and sister yes um i i would agree with that but um, this film this this bit it did make me cry a little Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i did think it was sweet i liked that they dylan and rosie both said like hi mom like i thought that was sweet um and you know yeah obviously it ties back with the 20 seconds of insane courage which by the way if you're gonna Mm -hmm. do a voiceover in the fucking beginning with benjamin me on all these adventures maybe you have (gasps) him saying you know sometimes for a story you just need 20 seconds of insane courage Yes, and then and then it kind of hints at this thing, and then mm-hmm. it's kind of okay if it doesn't come back until an hour and twenty, because mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, I remember that from the intro, and then it becomes like this thematically relevant thing. And then it's, and then it's thing. less about like this is an adventure, and more about like th- sometimes in life you just have to kind of go for it. And yes, and like life poorly, is an adventure, and it yeah. can go well or it can go poorly, but you don't yes. have this like m- sort of cheesy like we're modern day adventurers or like. Right. It's I think I like the idea of Benjamin viewing everything as an adventure mm-hmm. because that speaks to like who he is, but it it doesn't solidify uh, beyond him just like saying it. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. Um but I I agree with you. I think that like, you know, if he's narrating if if we have rewritten this movie and he is narrating the beginning, um and it comes he ends that with 20 seconds of insane courage. I also think that there needed to be another beat somewhere in this movie of why why not Mm -hmm. because that is something that only happened once i also kind of feel like you don't need both you don't need 20 seconds of insane courage and why why not yeah because they're kind of giving the same message where sometimes you have to just do shit yeah and so it's like you know and it's weird because they come from different sources because Mm -hmm. the why why not thing comes from Catherine and the 20 seconds of insane courage comes from Duncan. He says mm-hmm. like, Hey, remember when we were kids and you told me 20 seconds of insane courage. Yeah. So it, it's weird to have these two very similar mantras uh, applied to different characters. Yeah. Especially then if like the why, why not thing is so important to Catherine and Benjamin to, to have it, not be a part of her letter to him Mm -hmm. i mean her letter was very much about like you know you're gonna do something stupid so here you go here's Mm -hmm. like a get out of jail free card when really it seems like their relationship was all about kind of like fuck it Mm -hmm. you know but but i mean the movie really wanted us to have that final beat of the revelation that why why not comes from her Mm -hmm. so i guess i didn't want to spoil it but yeah but i guess yeah i guess it wouldn't i don't know 
it's also just like it's not that much of a spoiler like i feel like you can mm-hmm. why not is a phrase used <laughs> you know often you know it'd yeah. be one thing if 20 seconds of insane courage had come from her and then i can understand maybe wanting to save that but um yeah. why not is not by any means like like an yeah. uncommon phrase like it if that's and you know he's this adventurous guy like he goes on crazy things he does things like on impulse it's like that's not really weird for it to come up more if yeah. like that's your main character like has that attitude and for mm-hmm. them to for then to sort of like realize that like Catherine is like who pushed him to sort of like follow his heart go on adventures yeah. blah 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 i don't know i think i think you can have both but i think we needed we needed to see him be more cavalier with why why not mm-hmm. i think a good moment would have been if he's like quitting his job and his boss is like why don't you take the severance and he's like why not you mm-hmm. know like he he can be more indignant about it and kind of have that attitude towards more things than just kind of being like, <laughs> why not, man? Like, yeah. it's it, it feels very, like, tongue-in-cheek, where I think that, like, if he does adopt it as a more, like, cavalier, this is how I live my life, it can definitely be something that he, he applies to more kind of intense situations. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, even Dylan could throw that back in his face. You know, like, mm-hmm. why don't you try harder in school? Why not? Like, he can, yeah, like, yeah. really imply that it's something that benjamin says a lot and be a real dick about it yeah 100 percent. i agree yeah yeah oh, this is what a frustrating film yeah because we can we can see the better movie on the edges we can see did it did cameron crow write we bought a zoo or did he just he, direct he, it? he rewrote it it was okay. um uh the first draft well because it was adapted from benjamin me's actual memoir mm-hmm. um and then the uh, first draft of the movie was written by Aline Brosh McKenna. Okay. So even if you look at like Almost Famous, which mm-hmm. is sort of based on Cameron Crowe's experience, like as a teenager, right. is way better paced. Like yeah. you have tension with Penny Lane and the lead singer of Stillwater. You have tension with um you I know, s- the, I still the think, managers. Like I still think that movie is too long. I, I still think that that's almost I think, famous. I think that's a totally fair criticism. However, yeah. I think that it uses the time much better. Yes. Well, I think it develops its interpersonal relationships way better. Yes. I agree. So, uh, and, but yeah. so, like, even if, you know, and I mean, I also am of the belief that very few movies need to be above 90 minutes. I generally, when I see a movie that's two hours, I'm like, oh. but if a movie's going to be, you know, two, two and a half hours, you have to fill up that time meaningfully and you have to give me something that like kind of makes me sweat a little bit or else like you're not going to hold mm-hmm. my attention for two hours. Like that's a yeah. long time to hold someone's attention. This um, movie does not do that. This, no. We bought, a, we bought a zoo. If it makes you sweat, it makes you sweat for five minutes and then it's over. Yeah. And, and, and it's so, and it's so dissonant and with its tones that even mm-hmm. when you, when you are like maybe a little bit nervous or maybe starting to feel something, it's immediately yeah. shot down by like the bear escaped. So it's yeah. like, what? Like why? I Like you cannot get, you cannot get a grip on what you're supposed to take away from it you can't get a grip on who you're supposed to sympathize with and you can't get a grip on like what everyone is like feeling and thinking which is like such a shame because i do think it's like it could be a really beautiful story and i haven't read benjamin me's memoir almost is it's in the mail it's on its way Mm -hmm. i ordered it and i'm excited to read it but you know i mean it sounds like a really interesting story and they made the movie so boring 
ultimately. They did. I I think, uh, you know, productive or not to compare this to a movie that is in no way like it, but I think like in the vein of like based on a true story events that have such a singularity of purpose Mm -hmm. that are so precise and effective, 1917, Mm -hmm. which which is has one plot Mm -hmm. and you never lose sight of that plot. And it's just like, and, very, and I will say I have a lot yeah. of critiques on 1917, but so I, do I. But I completely agree with you on this. I, it I, it, is it not... held my attention the entire time. I was enraptured yes. in terms of plot. Yes, and I think I mean the, we can talk about 1917 a lot, but like mm-hmm. the idea of it, of it being this unbroken shot builds the tension very well because you're like, oh well, he has to do it in a way that will not, you know, disrupt our our perception of mm-hmm. it. So you kind of are given the stakes as they are presented of it being a one continuous journey Mm -hmm. and the stakes never change, but the anxiety of whether or not those stakes will be accomplished just continues to rise. Mm -hmm. And the the issue with We Bought a Zoo, it's insane to compare We Bought a Zoo to 1917, (laughs) but the issue of We Bought a Zoo is that the the anxiety. That's the title. (laughs) (laughs) It's insane to compare 1917 (laughs) to We Bought a Zoo, but here we are. Here we go, with featuring Anna Campion. Yes. Um, the, uh, The anxiety of whether or not these goals will be accomplished never charts onto how long it takes to accomplish those goals. Yeah, and I think that like... uh it's it, and again insane to compare this but like yeah. with the farewell in 1917 like there's sort of one yeah. goal throughout the whole thing which is don't yeah. tell grandma that she's dying and again it's like that same thing of like oh my god are, is, it, is she gonna mm-hmm. blow it like mm-hmm. what's gonna happen and you sort of like you feel this anxiety and you see like the grandma maybe getting more sick and blah 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 and yeah. um but yet you if and i understand that like again it's like plots and subplots it has to happen I totally mm-hmm. get that, um, especially when you have something that's a little bit more fun and maybe a little bit more lighthearted. Um, yeah. You could so easily focus in on the family dynamic and the sort of uh, issues with the zoo and sort of like overcoming those mm-hmm. and make them relate and make them like complement one another. Yeah. You don't need ScarJo. You don't no. need... Um, fucking Walter Ferris. You don't mean, no. need McCready. You don't need all these like thirsty moms. You don't need the no. Home Depot lady. Like there's no. so much I, I will you say don't the, need. The Home Depot lady, that scene, I think should have come at a point where they were still concerned about money because mm-hmm. the, like the, the crux of that scene is like giving her the card and Rosie being like, I don't know if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Like that idea of like making your kids anxious about money, like mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's a whole unexplored angle of this movie. But yeah, if that scene had been placed elsewhere in the movie, it could have, you know, created this real sense of like money is really tight, which we mm-hmm. never feel. Mm-hmm. We never feel because it's 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 dr- dropped as soon as it's introduced. Well, and, and like you mentioned, it's like they talk about how he blew his dad's inheritance on a zoo. Yeah. And then immediately this money is introduced. And then the zoo yeah. is super successful on day one. And- yeah. Also, he quit his job. So then like any sort of money anxiety you would feel, you're kind of like, okay, well, you brought this. You could have had a fucking online column writing about Mm -hmm. how you bought a zoo and bringing in, you know, a couple thousand a month at least so that you can fucking feed your kids. This is bananas. It would have been interesting to have, you know, if if in that moment where he's worried about money, if he like calls his old boss Mm -hmm. and says like, I know we, you know, it's been a minute, but I have a story idea. 
And his boss being like, we can't take on anyone else right now. Mm -hmm. Like if if there's that kind of like additional tension. Mm -hmm. But this movie just doesn't have that. No. This movie does not have that. So I uh, watched this on HBO Now. Uh, and um, I just wanted really quickly to read you what HBO Now has as the description for this movie. Please. Widower Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Just I'll talk about that himself. in a moment. Widower Matt Damon comes up with a unique plan to lift his family out of their collective funk. You know, when your mom dies and you're in a wow. funk. Wow, wow. By purchasing a ramshackle zoo. From director Cameron Crowe, almost famous, comes this enchanting New York Magazine tale that follows Benjamin <laughs> Me, Damon, and his two children as they try to start a new life in a place populated by some wild animals and an equally quirky staff. Yeah, that's some Disney Channel shit. Like, can you imagine describing this movie that way? Like, uh, Absolutely not. Oh my God. A co- their collective funk. Oh my God. <laughs> also, I just, I just love widower Matt Damon. Because it's yeah. like, clearly that's the draw. They're like, watch yeah. his movie because Matt Damon's in it. <laughs> they 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 probably, de- they really debated saying like, should we say widower Benjamin Me parentheses Matt Damon or should we just do widower Matt Damon? Yeah. The, and they the went copy with widower editor, The copy editor really went back and forth on that. But yeah. I just I just thought it was funny because I think <laughs> it does not describe the film. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you get that description and then you see two hours long and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, 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 oh. What is the funk? <laughs> oh, it's their mom dying. Mm. Mm. Clearly, clearly of a of a terminal illness. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm in this for the next 120 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Spe- yeah. Speaking of speaking of um, 120 minutes, that's how long we've been recording. Incredible. So, wow. So I think we should probably call it here. We should. We probably should. <laughs> um, uh, Anna, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I have a podcast called Ona with Anna Campion and Zach. You will be a guest on it. Um, yes. we're going to record that now. Well, we Great. might take a break. And then record. Yeah, let's, like, let's take like five minutes. We might we go fucking... pee and then take a break. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast all about like embarrassing and weird stories. Um, and Zach has a real doozy. Um, oh boy. That makes me red with jealousy. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, um, yeah. And, you know, we talk about lots of things. It's super casual. It's super fun. And uh, we're on all of the major platforms are on spotify anchor itunes uh and i'm also on twitter at i am the campion and i'm like i think six followers away from 1000 so i mean by the time this comes out in a month or so you will probably break a thousand i mean i keep fluctuating like i keep like the other day i had 996 and then i went down to 993 and i'm like who fucking yeah. followed me but then it, it fluctuates back up anyway it doesn't really matter yeah. but yeah that's what i have to plug <laughs> um so yeah, and we're also at Ono oh the Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. This thank was you for having me. Absolutely delightful. I love shit talking Matt Damon movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like I say I like shit talking it when we have like equally as many like good things to mm-hmm. say that we're just like disappointed in this movie by. It just could have been so good. Yeah, and that's what's more disappointing than an outright bad movie. Yeah, it's it's like it's like when. Um, Scarjo is like, I'm so disappointed in you yeah. when he won't put the, the, <laughs> the tiger down. The tiger down. Yeah. Selfish. All right. Thank you, Anna, for coming on the show. Thank you to RT Cobral for the intro and outro music and Cindy Gish for her vocals on the intro. You can find links to their work on our Twitter, which is at WePodAzoo. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars if you want to. Please do. Um, special thanks to my friend Dylan at Adult Human Bitch for suggesting the name WePodAzoo. 
Uh, and if you have the means, you can go to dartmoorzoo.org.uk. That's the zoo that this movie is based on, and they are currently struggling financially due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can throw some funds their way if you feel so inclined. And um, follow me at Zach Silberberg on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Anna, why why'd you come on this podcast? <laughs> why not? See you next time. There's a movie called We Bought a Zoo. Guess what happens? There's a zoo for sale and it gets bought by Matt Damon, a grieving single father in search of closure, hoping to find it in a tiger or a bear enclosure. We bought a zoo. It's a film by Cameron Crowe. We bought a zoo. Buy it now so you can go home and enjoy it with your friends and family. We bought a zoo. I'll buy a zoo. A zoo. You'll buy